Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, everybody? I am Jamie Shaw. I am joined today by my co-host Scott Spinelli, and this is the breakdown. Scott, how you doing today? Excellent, Jamie. Great to see you again. And uh, you know, uh, just again, very, very thankful for Dana and you know Travis and the entire. Dana Barrels basketball club crew here for allowing us to film and produce our show, but uh, everything's going great, Jamie. And it's uh look forward to talking a little bit of hoops with you. Um, you know, and tonight I think we get Georgia tech. Before we jump into Georgia tech, as you said, before we break it all down, give you all the X's and O's and, and take you through some, some of their playbook and all that type of stuff. Let's introduce ourselves to let the audience know who they're listening to. I am Jamie Shaw, national recruiting analyst at rivals.com author of one of the largest NCAA compliance scouting services in the country, the ABC basketball report, Scott, tell them who you are. Jamie, I've, uh, I've been coaching for quite a long time. You know, after uh, I graduated college, had an opportunity to coach um, at two different prep schools, uh, both Milford and I started the Winston prep program up here in Massachusetts. I was a head coach uh, for three years, but combined six years as a head coach in prep And then I've kind of worked my way up uh, the ranks uh, as it relates to Division I basketball, low level, mid-level, high level, as well as some professional minor league NBA stuff. So kind of done the whole gambit, uh, Jamie, originally from the Massachusetts area. um, But over the last several years, you know, um, haven't had the the blessing and the good fortune to kind of move around the country a little bit and uh, experience and meet a lot of, uh, you know, uh, great people, including yourself. This is our seventh installment of The Breakdown. Make sure before we proceed forward that you guys go ahead, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it, whether it be YouTube, whether it be uh, on the the podcast network. Um, Shout out to Believe Networks. Thank you guys very much for everything that you do. And uh, please let us know in the comments below what you think of the Georgia Tech lineup, what you think of Georgia Tech and all that. We want to hear from you. Um, But let's jump right into Georgia Tech here. They're coming off of a 17-9 season fourth place regular season uh, finish in the ACC. They made a run through the uh, ACC tournament where they ended up winning the tournament. Uh, NCAA lost in the first round to Loyola of Chicago. What was it about Josh Pastner, about the program, about the team, and about the culture that he built in Atlanta, Georgia, with Georgia Tech to help his team go on that run? Well, Jamie, they're one of the teams, um, you know, in the league that you really have to kind of tip your hat to Coach Pastner and his staff Uh, as it relates to building a program, um, you know, during a time where, you know, a lot of teams right now are focused in on, you know, attracting guys in the ACC who are potential one and dones or two and dones um, and assembling talent that way. You know, Coach Passer and his staff, you know, did it the old fashioned way where they went out and they identified some really good players, specifically, you know, Jose Alvarado and Moses Wright. Uh, two kids that, you know, were, you know, they were they were highly touted, but not, you know, to the point where they, people thought they'd be one and done or two and done. And, you know, they developed over their four years there at Georgia Tech. And I think those two guys are synonymous with what, you know, Coach Pastor and his staff have built there in terms of changing the culture. Um, they've got an identity on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, there's an expectation there now to win. For them to, to, you know, ascend through the ACC over the last several years, culminating with winning the ACC tournament last year, Jamie, um, 
you know, was really an accomplishment, especially, you know, when they took the program over and where they, uh, where they got it. Uh, now, again, losing those two players specifically, they still have that culture that's been created. They have some guys that we'll talk about in a minute, but, you know, two players, four-year guys who are both on NBA rosters today, Jose Alvarado and Moses Wright. Um, and a credit goes to Coach Pass and his staff to developing those guys and changing the culture at Georgia Tech. Alvarado coming out of high school, um, New York City guard. Uh, you know, he, he was a three-star, a high, highly ranked three-star guy. He had a whole bunch of uh, offers and stuff coming in. Moses Wright's story is kind of fascinating. That's kind of a story almost out of your own recruiting book. He played for the Garner Road B team. He wasn't even on their, their traveling team. He was on their B team. In high school, he actually took three official visits to Division II schools prior to picking up a single Division I offer. He ended his high school season, his last game at Enloe High School. He was a homeschool kid for his first three years. He played his senior year at Enloe High School uh, where P.J. Tucker went, Lavelle Moten, um, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And he didn't have a single Division I offer as of his final game of his senior year of high school. Bet on himself, did a couple workouts, came through. I think East Carolina offered him. I think Charlotte might have offered him. And then Georgia Tech offered. He ended up going to Georgia Tech and developing into an NBA player. But an absolute fascinating um, storyline uh, of him coming through the ranks. And it was incredible to see. It culminated 1,100 career points, ACC all-defensive team his senior year. Um, he was ACC player of the year this past season. He led the ACC in field goals made. He led the ACC in points produced. And then, as we mentioned, Jose Alvarado, too, the other guy they lost, 1,400 career points, second-team all-ACC last year, ACC uh, first team all defense, ACC defensive player of the year, and all that type of stuff. You had to scheme against these guys, uh, Scott. Uh, you had to you had to coach against them. What was it like? What what type of players were these two guys, and how pivotal were they to any success that that, that, that Georgia Tech had had? Also, in the history of what they're trying to do there at Georgia Tech. Well, getting back to what you said earlier about the story, it really is what makes college basketball so special, right, Jamie? Every kid has their own path of getting, you know, where they're trying to go. And some kids develop, develop mentally, physically faster than others. Um, but if you stay on that path and you continue to keep the mindset of, hey, I'm just going to work hard and I'm going to get better. Uh, credit to Coach Passer and his staff to evaluate guys like this um, and then to develop them. Um, to keep them in the program. And it's not easy, Jamie, as you know, the ACC is a very unforgiving league. And, you know, when you go through, you know, the um, ups and downs, you're losing some games and you've got to keep these guys engaged, believing. And so it speaks volumes to what, you know, Coach Passer and, and his entire staff have done there at Georgia Tech in terms of changing the culture uh, and keeping these guys believing. In uh, both circumstances both of these players uh they both were high energy guys who you know when they when they went on the floor there was uh you could feel their presence out there whether they were scoring whether they were playing defense there was an enthusiasm uh and it, and it became infectious jamie amongst all the other players there at georgia tech and it started with alvarado i mean there was so many times that you know, playing against them that, you know, you'd see him make a make a three point shot and he's having the time of his life out there playing the banjo. And, you know, um, and again, that, you know, that winning mindset, you know, he came from out in the New York area, 
Um, and then you took Moses right. And to add to your story, he was a swimmer. Um, and you know, he was a kid that was kind of playing with that chip on his shoulder, uh, mm-hmm. continued to get better. And, uh, you know, one of my former players is, uh, actually, uh, Bryson Graham, who was real high up on the New Orleans Pelican total pole in the front office. He's like third in command there. He told me that, you know, uh, Alvarado in training camp, um, the, the coaches loved his intensity, his energy, and that's the same energy in, uh, that he played with at Georgia Tech since he was a freshman. And again, they built that program up. Those two guys were, have a huge part in that. They're the, they're the foundation of it. But uh, you got to tip your hat to Coach Passer and his staff uh, for identifying those kids and developing them over their time. While they lost two program guys um, in both Moses and uh, Jose, the cupboard's not all bare at Georgia Tech. They do return their third and fourth leading scores. Um, preseason first team all ACC candidate uh, Mike DeVoe, six foot five, lefty. He averaged 15 points per game last year, shot 40% from three. Um, and then also Jordan Usher. Uh, Jordan Usher will be coming back to six foot seven, slashing forward, uh, who plays with high energy, who averaged. Um, 11.6 points and 4.2 rebounds per game. Both of those guys are older, which is what Georgia Tech has seemed to want to do culturally, uh, grow older and get athletic and length and all that type of stuff. Um, what will Mike DeVoe and Jordan Usher be for this team to have success this year? Let's start with Mike DeVoe. Mike DeVoe is a career 40% three-point shooter, lefty, can score at all three levels, but he's a kid that – you know, has always been a great three-point shooter. And he's going to be counted on this year to be that potential first-team all-ACC guy. And I'm sure he'll take another jump this year. With that, Jordan Usher, transferred from Southern Cal, who's actually a super senior. He's a fifth-year senior, um, got the extra year back, brought great energy last year, just the consummate winner. He does anything it takes to help his team win. Uh, he is very talented, though. He happens to be a kid that has a really quick first step, uh, athletic. Uh, he's a kid that can get it going uh, from the perimeter in terms of being able to make shots. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be another huge staple, uh, him and DeVoe this year, uh, based on what they've done in terms of their productivity and experience. And then you add Parnum. And Parnum's another fifth-year senior, uh, super senior, uh, transfer from VMI, put up huge numbers there, points per game. Uh, been a kid that kind of developed a little bit more in terms of his point guard abilities. Um, you know, kind of spelled Alvarado at times last year, but he could play either guard spot. Although he's a little undersized, uh, he can really shoot the three-point shot. Uh, so again, those three guys in particular, meaning DeVoe, uh, Parnum, and Usher are the three guys who have kind of uh, been there, even though a couple of those guys were transfers, uh, they've been there in terms of seeing the success through uh, in terms of Georgia Tech's program. Looking over at what Josh Pastner has tried to do on the offensive side of the floor uh, since he's been there, they try to spread you out. Um, they try to exploit matchups, getting, you know, obviously their best players in positions to make plays and everything. This past season, um, as a team, they were 36 in Division One in assists per game, averaging 15.4 assists per game. Um, and they were 28th in two-point field goal percentage, at 55% from two-point field goals um, through the season. So they make their easy shots and they move the ball around. Um, explain to us a little bit Josh Pastner's identity or what he tries to do. Take us through some X's and O's of his offensive sets. You know, Jamie, 
year in and year out with Georgia Tech, um, it, it's changed a little bit in terms of like their scheme and, and as it relates to what they were running offensively. Um, but the one thing about Coach Pastner and his staff in terms of what they've instilled in their team, and that is they play the game the right way. And, you know, I'm going to get in here right now. I'd like to show some of their video uh, as it relates to what they're about offensively. We'll start with some transition and we'll get into some of their ball screen actions and how well drilled and well schooled they are. Georgia Tech has always been one of the better teams in the ACC under Coach Passer and his staff uh, at scoring off turnovers. They're also very efficient in transition. So in this clip here, you're going to see another example of a turnover. And it's not necessarily going to turn into an easy basket. However, you can see Georgia Tech in terms of how they run. They're really running the floor and how quickly they get the rebound and they pitch it ahead. And so in this one, you'll see Usher, you know, as he pushes the ball middle, very willing passer. Uh, Alvarado kind of catches it in rhythm dribbles to kind of get his feet under him and wide open three. Georgia Tech will convert. Uh, easy baskets in transition off turnovers. And they also understand, you know, how to push the ball down the floor and get it to the middle and really kind of change sides to get easy baskets also. In this next possession, we're going to see Georgia Tech in what we call a running middle flat ball screen as it looks to appear. And at the last second, the Georgia Tech big actually twists his positioning where, you know, again, in this case, Duke's thinking it's flat middle. In a flat middle ball screen, a lot of teams declare coverage forcing left. And in this case, because the Georgia Tech big guy twisted, it's now a situation where the, the Duke defender guarding Alvarado chases it over the top. Alvarado is what we call what we call snaking him. He's getting him on his hip. And now the Georgia Tech defense offensive big who set the screen, his man is in what you call drop defensive coverage, drop coverage on the ball screen action. In this case, we tell our bigs to seek his man. So he runs towards his man, he finds him, and then he seals him right there in the middle, and it gives Alvarado an easy lane to the basket for a layup. We call that snake, seek, seal in drop coverage situations, something for coaches of all levels uh, to teach their teams. So in this possession here, you're going to see Georgia Tech in another way that they can actually uh, use ball screens. We call this an elbow hit with a guard over. So you see Alvarado hit, he goes through, and on reversal here, you'll see the big guy, uh, in this case, try to catch the ball as close to the elbow as he can. And when that happens, the guard who hit him comes right over the top of his pass and is setting a screen for the corner man. And when that corner man comes off, obviously there's different things that you can do. But in this possession, he curls it towards the basket. Now the screener for Georgia Tech comes right back, what we call a dribble flip ball screen. And in this possession here, what happens is because of the curl, on that offensive man from Georgia Tech, his defender is thinking, okay, it's my help now on the ball screen. So he holds. And what Georgia Tech does is they, they send him right back up, almost like a zipper action toward right off that elbow 
and Alvarado became the screener, and you can see how wide open he is. That's great execution. And again, occupying the defense and thinking that their, their coverage was supposed to be one way, but in turn used it against them because there was a constant movement and that little you know, zipper elbow, elbow screen is a really difficult guard. So great execution um, on the Georgia Tech end, and it caused a lot of confusion there uh, between the Duke defenders. So as we mentioned, you're obviously not going to be able to replace a Jose Alvarado. But Josh Pastor did a pretty good job going out, getting an SEC transfer, Mississippi State, with Davon Smith, formerly the number 53-ranked player by Rivals.com in the country um, in that 2020 class. He, had, he played 22.5 minutes last year. He's a paint-touch guard, long, you know, got the, the length and the quickness and everything. How will he uh, jump in and, and do – what Georgia Tech needs him to do is the point guard position. Again, he's a huge uh, part of this year's team. I mean, I, you look at the exhibition game, I believe he had eight assists, one turnover. Uh, when you talk about replacing a guy like Alvarado, uh, obviously you talk production, but you also talk about his presence, right? Uh, what he meant to that team, uh, big shots, big stops, and Devon Smith is somebody that's been there, done that already. He's already been in the SEC. He's put up uh, relatively good numbers in terms of efficiency uh, where he's been. And he's about winning too now, Jim. You watch him play. He plays the game the right way too now. I mean, he plays, uh, you know, to, to help his team win and whichever, whatever he needs to do, a la Alvarado, whether it's to, you know, make people better whether it's to make shots, threes, um, you know, drive the ball, uh, hockey assist type guy, defend, versatile defender. He'll get after you. He's athletic. I mean, he again, he's going to be a big key to this year's team, uh, especially with the loss of Alvarado, um, you know, with his talent, with his experience. Two other players that Georgia Tech has returning that are going to need to take steps forward or that Pastor will be looking to take steps forward. Khalid Moore, six foot seven. He's a, uh, this is his fourth year in college. He came from Archbishop Malloy in New York. Six foot seven wing. He had 11 starts last year. And then Kyle Sturdivant. Uh, he transferred last year. He transferred in from USC. He played last season, um, played 11 minutes per game. The six foot three big body guard, who's a Georgia native as well. From Khalid Moore and Kyle Sturdivant, what will they need? What will Georgia Tech need from them this upcoming season? This year, um, you mentioned Khalil Moore and Sturdivant and what they're going to bring. Jamie, what those two guys will bring is a defensive uh, mindset. Both guys are, you know, again, consummate winners. They'll do whatever it takes to help their team win. I've seen Khalil Moore back when he was in high school out in Neoc. Uh, he's a kid that's kind of a, you know, undersized, you know, guard, uh, excuse me, forward guard, uh, plays multiple positions for Georgia Tech on the offense great versatility, and really brings energy defensively. I've seen him guard some of the better players in the ACC and shut them down. Khalil Moore is a defensive stopper who has evolved offensively uh, throughout his time here. So he's going to bring some versatility and some defensive intensity uh, to give Georgia Tech that guy that they could put on some of the you know extreme talents that there are in the ACC night in and night out. Moore will be asked to guard those type of players. Uh, Sturdivant had moments last year, again, backed up 
Alvarado uh, probably wasn't as counted on as much as he's going to be this year. Uh, you know, a point guard, solid point guard, makes open shots, makes open threes, uh, willing passer, gets people, you know, involved, makes, makes his teammates better. Uh, he'll bring some more defensive intensity this year, especially uh, the improvement I'm sure he's made playing against Alvarado day in and day out. Uh, that culture and that mindset that was kind of passed on from him to Sturdivant is going to really help Sturdivant this year uh, and really, you know, give Georgia Tech another experienced uh, guard who's been there, done that, and won uh, throughout his time here at Georgia Tech. With all this length and athleticism that Josh Pastner has, all this experience on the defensive end of the floor, he's adept at throwing multiple sets at you to try to disrupt your offensive rhythm. Last season, um, they were eighth nationally with 9.1 steals per game. A lot of that had to do with having, um, you know, an all-defensive center in Moses Wright and an all-defensive point guard in Jose Alvarado. But looking into this year, what is it that Josh Pastner tries to do, and, and how does he have success at the defensive end of the floor? You know, Jamie, they're a team that plays multiple defenses. With that, they have a couple different zone looks. And for the most part, there's a kind of a unique zone that they play, one that really is not seen um, too, you know, too much in terms of college basketball teams running. And that's kind of the tandem 2-3. It looks sort of like it's a 1-3-1. One, one. But what happens is the two guard, Alvarado, the two guards are kind of in a tandem. They're in a kind of an eye. And those two guards are working together. And what happens in the, in the defensive possession here is you'll see uh, a ball screen come. And so what happens is the bottom guy, the guy at the bottom of the tandem, will now take the ball. Alvarado, who is guarding the ball, who got ball screen, now falls back kind of into, you know, his area, which is kind of the middle, um, you know, uh, the free throw line, top of the key area. And again, the one thing about Georgia Tech that they do a really nice job of is they have great awareness in any of their defenses. And so here you're going to see the tandem. It now kind of looks like a 2-3. This is what it looks like now. And now they do a great job of closing out with high hands. And, you know, that's a little thing, Jamie, that you don't, you know, you take for granted sometimes. And what that does, it takes away direct passes. I think anytime, especially in a zone, um, those are the passes that really make it hard for the defense to recover. Uh, with their hands high like this, now these passes, they make the offensive uh, player throw a little bit of a pass that has air under it, which gives the defense time to recover. So that's one of the things that you, you know, you look at Georgia Tech and any of these defensive possessions, they do a nice job. They're very well drilled and well schooled at closing out with their high hands. And in this case here, again, similar to that of a team like Syracuse, we've seen, uh, you know, any of the zone coverages, you'll see how this wing now for Georgia Tech comes up, takes the ball and his butt is to the baseline. His two arms are out taking away any passing lane and not allowing this pass to be made again from this kind of slot wing area to that, that corner, because that's a pass right there that makes it really hard now for the defense to recover. So really nice uh, clip here showing uh, that defender with active hands, butt to the baseline and not allowing that pass to be made 
to the offensive player under uh, below him in the corner. And now again, that's a high hand, top foot, high hand contest shot. And those shots right there are really, Jamie, they're not going to get you beat if you're going to contest high hand, top foot like that on every shot. So again, with Georgia Tech, that's kind of the introduction of what their tandem two, three looks like. In this next clip, Jamie, we're going to show the one, three, one. Um, and again, it gives kind of the same type of look as the tandem two, three, except there's one very important uh, difference. And that is the top of the one, three, one, they'll play it with a much bigger, uh, longer guy. Usually it's one of their wing forwards or um, any of their guys that are versatile, uh, you know, guard forwards, but guys who have a little bit of size, right? So in this case, you're going to see the one, three, one, it initiates up top with, with um, Khalil Moore. Khalil's again, uh, six, five long wingspan, very active, excellent defender. I, I think he's going to be their best man defender this year, but you know, you can see him at the top at the point of this one, three, one. And then in the middle, you see Moses, Wright, uh, Who's their five man, you know, taking up that middle position. And then on the opposite, um, you know, wing position here, you see Alvarado who's dropped when the ball is opposite him. Um, and again, this is kind of a straight one, three, one, but one thing that stays consistent with Georgia tech on any catch, whether it's, uh, you know, the two, three, or whether it's the one, three, one, they do a really good job of closing out high hands to take away any straight line pass, which again is an advantage for the defense. Now it does not give the, op the offense, the opportunity to just fire the ball around the fact that their hands are high makes it so the defense now, if they do make a pass, they're going to have to throw it and it gives a little air time for the defense to recover. So in this one, you'll see a straight one, three, one. Um, you'll see the wing step up. You'll see the bottom guy uh, now close out. You'll see, you know, Georgia Tech in a position where everybody is kind of in a, in a place where they can see not only the ball, but a man in their area. Um, and, you know, again, you know, this is how Georgia Tech can confuse teams because as you come down the floor, you think, okay, here's a tandem one, you know, two, three with two guards up top. Now they shift over and they go to a one, three, one, and you think it might be the same defense, but in fact, it's not. And it's easy to show this on film, right? And talk about the difference. The thing is, though, this could happen in the flow of a game, a dead ball, um, a, a free throw, um, you know, coming out of a timeout, they could change defenses on you. So it's really hard to get in a rhythm at times. And this does confuse the opposition by changing these defenses. Although they give the same shape, they're two totally different defenses. And in this possession here, you'll see the ball um, turned over it was a skip pass and you'll see DeVoe, you know, steal it and finish on the other end. A lot of the credit here has to go to the coach, Coach Passer and his staff for really instilling tremendous defensive principles here with great communication amongst the team. You mentioned 6'10", junior Rodney Howard. You mentioned seven-foot freshman uh, Sobu Gigi Berea. And you talked about him a little bit already, but – they're taking Moses Wright's minutes, AC, the reigning ACC player of the year. What will they need to do collectively to be able to fill kind of that void and, and play the center position this season? You know, Jamie, both five men 
uh, in the program this year, at least in terms of straight five men. Um, both are guys that I think are rapidly developing bigs. And I think, again, when you look at a kid like Moses Wright averaging 3.6 points per game as a freshman, to be a guy that was the ACC player of the year, Georgia Tech has proven they can develop players, uh, especially uh, big guys, guys who have you know potential who just need uh, extra individual development. Uh, so again, credit to Coach Passer and his staff uh, for being able to develop these type of guys. The first big is Rodney Howard. Now Rodney started at Georgia, and you know he played um, you know sparingly, but the one thing that he's always been is a presence at the rim. You know, he can block shots. He can change shots. He's kind of that kid that hadn't been playing for a long time, which, by the way, isn't necessarily a bad thing. A lot of times and oftentimes when you can get big kids who really haven't played uh, as long, they don't have as many bad habits, right? So bad habits are so hard to break. So when you get a kid like Howard, you basically are teaching him things uh, where you're going to be able to show him things and he's probably going to be a quick learner and a guy that develops very, very quickly in the program because you're not going to have to break a lot of bad habits. But a kid that started bat playing basketball late, uh, physical presence, really runs hard, screens. Uh, it'd be anxious to see how he develops uh, throughout his time. But I do know this. He is a physical, physical kid, and he does block shots. He is a presence at the rim. The other kid, Saba Gijabaria, is a very intriguing prospect, the kid that went uh, to prolific prep, uh, international kid. And he's a young man that was very young when he arrived on campus here. And, you know, watching him and, and seeing video of this kid, he's got a lot of skill. Um, the one thing that kind of makes him, uh, you know, kind of that guy that, you know, I think you need. Uh, especially with somebody of, of his size is he's, he's got a rare ability to pass the ball. And I think when you have a seven footer, a legit seven footer, uh, long wingspan, you know, seven, three, seven, four wingspan. Um, and then he can, you know, he can pass out of the high post. He can pass out of the low post. He's a kid that again, with a lot of the weapons that Georgia tech is going to have around him. I think he's going to be a guy this year. That's going to be a major impact player for Georgia tech. Over these past couple of years, Georgia Tech kind of went a little bit more toward the transfer portal to bring in some of their talent. This past season, they went back to the high school and they brought in a heck of a high school class coming in for this upcoming season. Uh, six foot five, Miles Kelly, number 95 overall by rivals.com out of Hargrave. Uh, they brought in six, six, four, Debo Coleman. We had him at 73 at Rivals out of West Nassau County in Florida. Uh, Jalen Moore, he was the number 33 ranked small forward in the country um, out of Alabama. And then uh, Jermonte Hill, they brought in late out of DME Academy, a post-grad kid, six foot six again. Um, these guys have a common theme. They're all they're all six six and long, but they're versatile. Miles Kelly's a little bit more of a smooth guard. Debo Coleman's a little bit more of a kind of a rugged, tough forward who can really shoot it. Jalen Moore, a traditional wing. Jermonte Hill, uh, again, kind of like Coleman, a little bit more rugged, athletic, and all that type of stuff. How do you see this freshman class, this group of players, infusing with the talent? that they have already coming back and, and, and the veterans. Uh, let's start off by talking about Debo Coleman. Debo Coleman scored 2,500 points uh, in high school in the state of Florida. He was Mr. Basketball in the state of Florida. He's a kid 
that is a three-point sniper. He can really shoot the basketball. I've seen this kid live and on video, exceptionally pure three-point shooter. He also has the ability to kind of score at all levels. I mean, he's a kid that you really got to keep an eye on uh, in terms of what Georgia Tech has done, developing players like Moses right over his time, Alvarado. He's a kid that's just going to get better and better. Miles Kelly's another promising freshman from Hargrave, uh, a kid that is, is really silky smooth, uh, can do a lot of different things out on the floor with great size uh, at about 6'5". He's versatile, can guard multiple players out on the floor. And again, when you come from those prep school leagues, Jamie, as you know, we've seen those kids are as close to ready, um, you know, as any kid coming in uh, in terms of being ahead of just regular high school players, just because of the competition he played day in and day out at Hargrave and throughout his prep school um, schedule. Uh, Jalen Moore, Jamie, brings an uncanny ability to kind of um, get to the basket, draw fouls, uh, you know, straight line driver. He's, he's, he's really one of those guys that, uh, you know, can really, really put a lot of foul pressure on the defense with his ability to kind of figure out angles. Um, again, more of a slashing uh, forward than he is shooter. However, I'm sure throughout his time, he'll get better uh, in terms of being more consistent from the three-point line. But high-energy guy, uh, driver slasher first, another promising freshman uh, in this Georgia Tech four-man class. Um, and their fourth uh, player is a, a young man that actually turned down some uh, high major offers from BCS schools uh, to go to Georgia Tech, Jermonte Hill. And again, another kid that brings athleticism, um, you know, all around, just a really solid player, consummate winner. Uh, you can use them in multiple positions and as it relates to whether it's versatility and switching in man or whether you want to put them on the back line, the front line, uh, whether in that tandem two, three or the one, three, one. Uh, he's a guy just like, um, you know, uh, you know, all these other guys, they're versatile players, Jamie. And I think that's what Coach Pastner uh, and his staff have recruited a lot of versatility, especially as it kind of. Um, you know, their system fits to their identity on defense because they play multiple defenses, zone and man. And that does it kind of for the personnel. We've looked into their offensive and defensive identities. You've taken us through some of the X's and O's of what they try to do and how they get the personnel and mismatches and stuff. I want to I touch back on an overarching theme or something for me that is completely fascinating, um, you know, on the recruiting side and, and on the, you know, on the team building side of, of personnel and stuff. You being on the coaching side, obviously it's a hard to win the ACC tournament. It's a hard thing. You have to have a street, uh, string of luck. Uh, matchups play a huge role. You have to have talent and timely shots, and everything is involved, and it's hard to win the ACC tournament. Um, Josh Pastor was able to do it last year, but he went at it in a very unconventional type of way from what the ACC usually is. You know, the ACC, you know, you have the Dukes of the world. You have, you know, the one-and-dones and, and all these pro talents, these draft picks throughout it. Well, he got guys that weren't ranked in the top 100, developed them into guys that are now on NBA contracts, um, and won the ACC tournament this past season. I, I want to hear it from the coaching side of things as to how special of a run that is to have and how Josh Pastor has kind of done that through the face of adversity at Georgia Tech. The most important thing with all of the guys that I've worked with and for was to make sure that we recruited 
to establish a foundation, a foundation, just like in building a home, Jamie, when you're building a home, you build it on a strong foundation with really good players who are going to be, who are going to work hard. They're going to develop, they have character, uh, they have academic interest and in getting those type of guys and being able to develop them to get older, to get more experienced, that's the key in most every uh, program, except, you know, for a select few, the Blue Bloods and, and teams that can recruit those one and dones. Uh, for most of us, you have to have that type of vision. And when you look at what Georgia Tech did, and it, you really, you have to be, uh, if you're a college basketball fan, uh, specifically a Georgia Tech fan, you really got to give them a lot of credit uh, and tip your hat to them because there was nobody on the road telling Coach Passer and his staff to take, you know, a guy like Moses Wright or uh, Alvarado. They identified um, those two guys based on the philosophy of what we just talked about and their vision. And, you know, that's what you're, you're setting out to do. That's what your ultimate goal is in building a program. We talked about Moses Wright earlier. We talked about him homeschooled for his first three years of high school. He played on his B-team um, AAU program at Garner Road, um, was on a losing se senior year at Enloe, so he just did not get seen. And, and Georgia Tech went in. They evaluated. They trusted their eye. They came in with a player. They, they, they stuck to the plan, came with a player and developed them. Um, you know, you've made a career on that. Uh, that, that's, that. That sounds very similar to kind of a Jake Lehman type story. No, I appreciate it. And, and Jamie, one thing I will say is this. When you – uh, as a coach, everybody has their own uh, vision and philosophy. And what makes college basketball, you know, really special is when you watch a program like Georgia Tech and you see the success that they had uh, from where they came from. It wasn't hard when we came into like, look at Boston College. We came in, we, you know, had a lot of things that we had to address. One was balancing classes right you've got to get balance in your in your classes where to, to to what we just spoke about and that is you can't have seven seniors no juniors you know four sophomores and uh two freshmen you've got to have balance between each class now that's a huge part of it too uh and georgia tech was able to really take a program and go through some lumps. They, they, they lost some games. They lost some close games. They kept it together. And uh, again, it's a fine line, Jamie, but uh, if you looked at Georgia Tech and Coach Passer and his staff, you really, really can't help but tip your hat uh, to how they built that program. They've changed the culture. Um, and I think it's great for college basketball uh, that, that you can actually see a program uh, that was taken you know, from where Georgia Tech was to where they are, uh, where they were last year, and, and hopefully they're going to continue on this uh, successful path. Another great episode, seven up, seven down. This was Georgia Tech for you. We broke it down all the way from the X's and O's. We went some chalk talk, did the player personnel, and we talked some stories about passenger and culture and all that type of stuff. If you enjoyed what this was, please go ahead and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Leave in the comment section below, whether you're listening on a podcast, whether you're listening on YouTube, leave a comment below. What do you think about Georgia Tech this year? Um, you know, who's going to be the one that steps up? Uh, how good is Mike DeVoe? Let us know. And then also, if you enjoyed this Georgia Tech podcast, go back and listen to the previous ones. We've already gone through Duke, UNC. We've already gone through 
uh, Miami and Syracuse and, and, and all those others so far. And we're going to continue with the ACC upcoming. But make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you comment. Make sure you rate us five stars. And then, you know, share it with your people. If you enjoy what it is, share it with uh, your followers on your social media outlook as well. Thank you guys so much for joining us. For Scott Spinelli, I am Jamie Shaw. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.